This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, I'm going to jump in uh, to our last message in this series called Rooted. Um, and uh, I'm just going to jump in once again just to give us our definition so we can be tracking from that point. The, the rooted definition literally is this, to be established deeply, firmly planted, or fixed in place. To be strong, irresistible, sturdy, difficult to destroy. When we are anchored to the things of God, we, just like Christ, are difficult to destroy. Amen? And with Christ, you can't destroy Him. I want you to get that perspective because you are in Christ. That means that you guys are strong, are sturdy, and difficult to destroy. Amen? So we're going to talk today about our our week four focus is harvest, and we're going to talk about the fruit that the kingdom ultimately wants to produce, not just within your life, but also in those that are around you. So you have to understand that the ultimate goal of God, the master gardener, is literally to produce a great harvest of spiritual fruit in every single believer in Christ. So if you're here this morning, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I have news for you. He wants you to develop the most incredible fruit in your life. So that when people walk by you, no matter where you are, and they take the fruit from your tree, it is sweet, and it is going to draw them back every single time to ask more questions about how in the world do you have fruit like that? Right? How many have ever been to a grocery store and the, the avocados in that particular store are always bruised? I love avocados, and I'm telling you, it drives me nuts. I'm not going to say what store it is, but there is a store in this city that has never failed that every single time I end up there, and I want avocados, every one of them are ruined. It's discouraging. And then you have to go to a totally different store, and then there's one store in town, I'm not going to say which one, is awesome every time I get there. So think about that. Think about the, the kind of the perspective of as people are coming to take or pick the fruit from your life. What are they getting? Are they getting something that's bruised? Are they getting something that's healthy and tasty and awesome? Are they, one day it's great, one day it's bruised, right? Then you don't know what you're going to experience. But why is it that God wants to produce this incredible fruit in your life? It's very simple. To partner with every single person to reach other people for Christ. It's harvest time. Can I say that again? It is harvest time. I don't know about you guys, but if you listen to what's going on in the world today, if you look around what's going on in the world today, the need for Jesus Christ is becoming more and more obvious. And what I honestly believe is about to happen is that there's going to be literally world governments all over the world that are going to be sick and tired of being stuck in the whale. Because there's too many of them right now in the whale. And so far, the smell hasn't bothered them enough. But it's going to happen. And the moment that whale spits them out, they're going to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. And they're going to understand, i got to change what I'm doing. But God is choosing to partner with you and I to bring the fruit of the gospel to those people's lives. Why? So we can bring a harvest. Amen? So God wants you to allow Him, give Him permission to work in your life and develop His fruit. Why? Because it is for eternal 
purposes. Amen? It is for eternal purposes. There's three simple lessons I kind of want to just flow through today uh, to learn how to consistently live a life of fruitfulness and harvest those opportunities that come around us every single day. Lesson one, number one, and I'm going to spell this wrong for a reason, but you guys can pick up on it as we go. To be fruitful. We want to be full of fruit, amen? So the first step in being fruitful is to actually check what kind of fruit you're producing. Just like that avocado, you want to check what kind of fruit you're producing. Matthew chapter 7 says this in verse 17 and 18. It says, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Wow, aren't you glad you showed up here today? So what you're saying is, that was for you, right? Anyhow, so what I hear you say is that a good, good fruit only comes from a good tree and bad fruit only comes from a bad tree. Wow, that's like life-altering. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Wow, isn't that awesome? Why is this so important? Because the fruit of our lives will tell the world what is within our hearts. Because we produce and we reproduce what is inside. I want to come back to community as our heart. How many have ever met a fake, inauthentic Christian? Put up your hand. Come on now. How many have met a religious one? Oh. How many come away from those connections and those meetings and go, I just want to serve Jesus more? No, we want to give them the right hand of fellowship, if you know what I'm saying, as quickly as possible. That's what we want to do. Why? Because there's something about them that is not very, I don't know, inspiring. There's something that doesn't make us go, I want to, Love Jesus. I want to seek Jesus more. Because it's inauthentic. So why is it that God is digging down deep and dealing with some fruit type issues in our lives? Why? Because we reproduce what is already within. One of the, one of the craziest moments of my life, and if you've been around any length of time, you remember the story. But I had this uh, moment in my life. It was in... Oh, I don't know, it's late 90s. I can't remember exactly when it was, but late 90s. And I have this individual in my life that became my spiritual father uh, and just has been an absolute source of inspiration and, and, and shoulder to cry on and, and sometimes a good swift kick in my rear end. It's been awesome. But one day I showed up after a period of about six months where I was just really struggling. And if you know me for any length of time, especially in my past, when I struggle, everyone knows it. There's no filter. I learned to filter later on in life. And then some people go, I don't know if you're fully there yet. You know what I'm saying? But I, I literally struggled just verbally processing everything that I was feeling. So one day I showed up at, at Bob's house and he goes, I got something for you, Cameron. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you got for me? I'm thinking he's going to give me something awesome or he's going to give me like thousands of dollars so I can go to Bible college. What? I don't know. I'm just like, what is it? He goes, open it up. He even wrapped it up and put a bow on it. I'm like, this is so exciting. It's like Christmas in August. Yay. And so I open it up. 
And it was a Joyce Meyer book. And the title of the book was Me in My Big Mouth. And I looked at him and I went, are you serious? And he went, yeah. I said, that is hurtful. And he goes, there's a great verse in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I went, I don't like that verse. That's not in my Bible. I took it out. Okay? You know what I'm saying? You know? I took that one out. I don't like it. But why is this important? I'm actually going to invite uh, my wife, Sandra, to come up and help me with this illustration. And I want you to understand something here. Similar to this, uh, this avocado fruit illustration with the, the, the bad fruit and the good fruit. I want you to understand that there's an incredible verse uh, in the Old Testament that says, He who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. God wants us to harvest things, so he wants us to operate in wisdom. Why is this important? I have lost count how many moments this has become so real to my life because the historical pattern of my life for the first 20-something years was that I literally lived in this camp. I lived in the wounded bucket. So I want you to understand something here. Similar to this verse in Matthew 17, that woundedness never produces wisdom. Ever. It produces a skewed, earthly, human form of advice that actually doesn't lead people to Christ. It actually draws people to themselves. Wisdom is what leads people to a genuine harvest. Why? Because wisdom means that it's coming from the heart of the Father through the work of the Son and activated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand, wisdom can never come from a wounded bucket. It just can't. It doesn't do it. Some people say, well, I don't have a bucket. I just have a filter. And my, my response to that would be, wisdom cannot come from a wounded filter. It can't. Because the way that you're interpreting information is completely off. Why is this important? Well, whenever God uses an illustration, and whenever God talks about a principle, there's something significant behind it. I want you to, to listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Thanks, honey. If you can just leave them there, that's awesome. It says this in Proverbs eleven thirty: The fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life. In other words, it's there to provide for others. And he who is wise captures and wins souls for God. He gathers them for eternity. Why is wisdom important? Because wisdom is anchored to truth. I'm going to share something. Hopefully this hits you guys today because it hit me about 25 years ago. And I hope it hits you today because this is significant. At least this is significant in my life. Whenever you are speaking about the gospel of Jesus Christ or the harvest of Jesus Christ, through a wounded bucket or a wounded filter, you will actually never get to the point of fully explaining things with truth because you are so sensitive to that person's pain because of your own pain that you actually won't give them the truth. You'll give them a watered-down version of it because of your own woundedness. And the problem is, 
The Bible says in John 8, 32, that it's the truth that will set you free. And so here's what I experienced many, many years ago, is half-truths set me half-free. And then I was wondering, why in the world can I ever get over this thing? And I started to realize that my woundedness filtered the truth of the gospel and made it palatable enough for me to only do what I felt like I could do now. But the problem is, is roots don't go down deep to produce the harvest fruit of the gospel in order to see people come to Christ for all eternity. Here's what I learned. I learned an emotional response. Oh, when something's touching me, I'm emotionally touched. How many know that doesn't last? But God wants people to come to Christ, experience the gospel message of the saving power of Jesus Christ, so that they understand not an emotional moment, but a life-changing experience in the kingdom of God. If you believe that, say amen. All right, so what kind of wisdom will lead to a genuine harvest? James chapter 3, verse 17 says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure. It is morally and spiritually undefiled. In other words, no filter. You're not taken from that bucket, okay? Then it's peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. How many right now, as soon as I was reading that verse, thought of all of the issues going on around the world today? And thought to yourself, I just wish any leader in the world at least found some of that. Can you imagine what the life would be like right now if our leaders were flowing in that kind of wisdom? We need to pray for our leaders like never before. Amen? It says here, gentle, reasonable, willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. What kind of good fruit does Jesus want? Well, He describes in Galatians chapter 5, this amazing fruit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And goodness, I miss goodness there. Let's be good, Lord. Amen. All right. Why is this important? Because there's one thing that I've seen and learned about my own life, and I've kind of seen develop in the church world for the last number of years. And it's simply this. People can have a gift... Or I'll I'll say an ability. People can have a gift or an ability and inspire somebody in a moment. But it's the fruit or character of someone's life that actually leaves a legacy. Think about the teachers you had in grade school that made an impact on your life. Think about the people that were in your neighborhood that had an impact on your life. Yes, you probably had some fun with them. Yes, you probably did different things. Yes, they were probably a good teacher. All those things. But what stood out was their character. It was their fruit. Why is this important? Because, again, we want a harvest that does not last for a moment, but lasts for all eternity. Amen? I would say it like this. Gifts are proof that God can use you. Fruit is proof that God can change you. So gifts are are, are proof that God can use you, and He does want to use you. I want you to know this morning, He wants to use you. He wants to use you in every scenario, in every situation that he, he, He finds you in. But it's the fruit or the character of God which is proof that He can change you. Why is this important? Because His desire is to change you so that He can use you to change others.
If not, people will be drawn to you out of your woundedness instead of being drawn to Christ out of wisdom. All right. Remember this thought. How many know that in the Bible and in real life, interestingly enough, in Genesis chapter 1, it actually talks about this principle, and then we see it in actuality every single day, especially if you're a farmer or know a farmer, you would understand this principle, that everything naturally reproduces after its own kind. In other words, we have to be careful because we reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 8 to 9 says, those who live only to satisfy their own Sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. And at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. How many know that if you plant some apple tree seeds, you're going to get? Wow. Aren't you guys glad you showed up this morning? Wow. It's awesome. In other words, if we sow of the wounded bucket into our lives, we're going to reap more of the wounded bucket. If we sow wisdom of God into our lives, we're going to reap the blessing of that wisdom. If we sow to our carnal nature, our human fleshly nature that doesn't want God, we're going to reap all of those things. But if we sow into the things of the Spirit, into those things that produce godly fruit in godly lives, then that is what we are going to reproduce, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. Last week we talked about being plugged in or stay plugged into the vine, which is Christ. We can take life from the vine. And it literally goes one step further in John 15. It says that without Jesus, without being plugged into the vine, we have nothing. And so I want you to understand today, when we are plugged into the vine, we are going to literally reap the fruit of Christ in our lives. Amen? All right, second thought. Lesson two, be powerful. In other words, be full of power. It's interestingly enough that that the Bible nowhere says that fruit is more important than gifts. That fruit is more important than the abilities that God places in your life. It doesn't say that. So some churches would take that angle. I would say, no, they're equal. But how many know that character produces legacy? Gifts can change things for a moment. So what I often say is don't let the gift of God take you where the character of God can't keep you. Okay, we're good. All right, all right, all right. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, it says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. I wish that could be said of every parent. (laughs) Of your children. (laughs) Oh, it's so awesome. (laughs) Dear children, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. No, I have to say, we have awesome kids. You guys are awesome. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, not to be afraid, but the, re- the fear of God, the awe and reverence of God. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power. Say power. To do what pleases Him. So He's giving you power not to do whatever you want, but to do what He wants. Amen? But I want you to, to catch something here. The, the power of God or the power of the things of the Spirit is given to us by God as a fuel source for His mission. How many know that your vehicle without fuel is not going very far? Even in neutral and people pushing, you're not going very far and you're not getting there very fast. So the power of God is the fuel in your tank to do 
the mission of God. God plants the seed by His power, but just like we talked about last week, you need to accept the invitation. There's a Google Calendar invitation sent to you saying, Jesus encounter, yes, maybe, no. And your response has got to be yes. Maybe doesn't work half the time. And no never works, okay? Just take it from me. Trust me, I know what I was doing back then, and it was never good. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So you have to understand that he harvests lost souls by his power, but also with our partnership, okay? Acts 1, 8 says this, but you shall receive, but you shall receive, Greek word dunamis, which literally translated into the English means dynamite. How many want that kind of power? All right. I don't know about you, but it, that's explosive. People will notice you. Okay. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my? Uh, to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So why did the disciples receive power? Was it to, as many charismatics say, was it to shake and bake and roll down the aisle? No! <laughs> I just, I messed with some of your theology. You can see it. Some people are like, but I'm like the best roller down the aisle ever. And I'm saying, that wasn't the point. The point was to be witnesses of the gospel message of God and have the Holy Spirit's power behind you. I love our church for so many reasons. I come last night, and I, I was practicing the songs for the guitar on Friday night, and I don't know what was going on, but every single time I try to do a bar code for the a bar chord for those that play guitar, knows you kind of have to kind of put your wrist around. And for some reason, this bottom part of my wrist was just killing me. And I, I literally could not do a bar code. And then, or bar chord. Chord. Chords are back in, right? Come on now. All right. I just keep all my pants because eventually after 27 years, they come back in. The only problem is, is I don't fit into the ones I wore 27 years ago anymore. And you're like, what? Lord, what happened? And then I think of your illustration. <laughs> Jesus, where were you? I'm just behind you. Like, you know. <laughs> Woohoo, yes. Somebody come up to me and said, you know, are you okay? I said, no, I'm pregnant. About four and a half months with a dream. <laughs> but four and a half months pregnant with a dream of God. It's awesome. What was I saying before that? <laughs> Cards. Cards. Where's Ryan? Okay, so I share this uh, last night before the practice. Ryan comes over. He hears me say, I, I'm having a hard time with my wrist. I can't. I, I'm having a hard time playing bar chords. And he goes, and he just walks over. Like, no hesitation. Puts his hands on my hand and on my wrist and prays over me, and it was gone. So I played all last night, practiced, not, I didn't feel a thing. I, play, I prayed, I played, played. Okay, does anyone have the gift of interpretation of tongues? Okay, all right, just checking. I played all morning, and I don't feel a thing. Okay? Why am I sharing that? Because he understood that the power of the Holy Spirit was backing him up. He just had to move. He had to just get out of the boat and walk. But if you're anchored to this, guess what it produces? 
well, I tried that before and it didn't work. God already gave me permission to do this, so I'm going for it. If he doesn't back me up, then I'm just going to keep going, and no matter what. Because if I do one out of a million, one person is more free today than the other, anyone else before. So I'm just going to pray. Because God told me to do it. All right. Okay. There's this incredible story of this amazing harvest in Acts chapter 10. There's a gentleman by the name of Cornelius. And it literally talks about his entire family, his entire household coming to Christ. And when Peter was asked about this new dynamic, about this Gentile nation of of people coming to Christ, Peter responded and said this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. He says, well, I don't know much, but I can tell you about one thing. Are you ready? He goes, well, I know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Why was this significant when he told the story? Because he was actually laying down a principle that says, well, that's what Jesus did as an example for us, and we're supposed to do the same. And we also know that God is with us, and the Holy Spirit has given us the power to overcome the works of the enemy, and one of those areas is the area of healing. I'm so grateful you followed through, brother. Why is this important? Because God is calling us not just to be fruitful, but to be powerful. To actually tap into the things of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Lesson number three. He's calling us to be faithful. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed some kind of diseases and illnesses. Every. I love when the Bible is just so to the point. Every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. What is he simply asking us to do? He's asking us to be faithful to his mission. That's it. He was so faithful. How do we know that? Because he was motivated by compassion. And he saw people hurting. He saw too many people living in this bucket. And he says, no, 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 no. The wisdom of God is first pure. It's undefiled by anything of this world. And I'm going to give them that wisdom because it's that truth that will set them free. To be faithful to his mission. Because of God's power at work within us, we can literally be a catalyst for transformation in anybody's life that comes around us. Interestingly enough, this concept of faithfulness is a major key in the kingdom of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-2, to it says this. You there, it's Paul speaking to Timothy, his spiritual son. He had led him to Christ. Uh, he's writing this book to Timothy because it's, it's called one of the pastoral epistles. In other words, it's one of the letters written specifically to pastors who are leading churches. And he says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? Be anchored to Christ. Be connected to the vine. Don't lose or detach your life from the vine. Don't give in to the devil's lies of detached living, but get connected to the vine. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these two faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 
So you have to understand this. Who was given responsibility in the house of God? This is what he's talking about. Those who are considered faithful. And interestingly enough, fruitfulness and faithfulness are connected. How do I know? Because consistency proves character. In other words, fruit takes time. How many know fruit takes time to develop? How many know in relationship, the fruit of trust takes time? And it's different for everybody. For some people, it's just one conversation. For some people, it's 10 years of a conversation. But fruit of trust takes time. Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says this, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Why is this idea of being faithful so important? Because God loves to partner and empower people who are faithful. Why? Because he knows he can trust them with the things of the kingdom. And he desperately wants to entrust his church with the things of the kingdom because he is even more so concerned about the state of the world than we are. He sees the brokenness. He sees the woundedness. He sees the the disconnect and the detached living. And he sees it and he just thinks, I just want them to be a part of my family. I just want them to be sons and daughters of the king. That's all he's thinking. I want to read a verse and I'm going to come in for a close here. It says in John chapter 4, verse 34, it says this, Then Jesus spoke up and said, My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. That's got to be the baton that we take as a church and say that's what our heart's desire is. Amen? As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And get this, verse 36, And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. I don't know about you, but in parenting, sometimes you need rewards to help behavior. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't think you should parent solely by rewards, but I do believe that there's something there that that we can understand. Jesus is basically saying, if you commit to the mission of God, which is the harvest, you're going to be rewarded. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. Remember the mission, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the heart of God. That's why we're still here. If not, we'd be in heaven already. We're here because people don't know him. And we are the conduit of his love to other people. Amen? I want to I end this morning just with a, a quote from Bobby Houston. For those that follow along with Hillsong Church or listen to Hillsong Music, this is the senior pastor's wife, Bobby Houston, in one of her books, And it says this, we have one life, one moment to serve, and an eternity to marvel at the opportunity we were given. What we do in life echoes for all eternity. I want to end with one little thought. And I'm going to be really, really real with you this morning because I'm going to tell you what goes through my head. How many know that... um, In my situation, I'm married to an evangelist. Sandra is an evangelist through and through. I have never in my life seen her have as many conversations with as many people as she does. 
I've often said it like this. If there is a dog walking by the front of our house, they will be saved by the time they hit our driveway, walk across our lawn to the, the next driveway. They will get saved because they will understand how sinful of a dog they are. Because they've been pooping on everyone's lawn and God is just dealing with them right now. And she comes in and just says, you know, you need to hear the gospel. The point I'm trying to say is this. It comes naturally to her. But probably most of you here this morning are actually more like me. Evangelism does not come natural. The idea of going up to a stranger and telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ makes me think things that are, are, are if you heard what was going on in my head, you'd be like, oh, wow, he's not that godly. <laughs> and he's our pastor. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. We got, that's going to work out well. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you how I have learned to get over this hump. The first thing is this, stay in your lane. The moment I realized I'm not her and I was okay with that was so freeing. Because you know where I am money? Put me in a Starbucks for 30 minutes with anybody. And I don't know what happens at a Starbucks. Somehow Jesus loves Starbucks. That's all I can come to the conclusion of. The Spirit of God moves in Starbucks. I don't know why, because there's a lot of other things that go on there. I was like, woohoo, okay, whoa. But God moves in my lane one-to-one over a coffee. But if you tell me to go talk to that person at Walmart, I'm like, no. And I'm like, okay, where's Sandra? (laughs) Stay in your lane. Second thing is this. Make a decision. Can you come up here, honey? Make a decision to get healed of this so that you can operate in wisdom. Make that decision. Third, God would never call you to do something that he won't empower you to do it. So when you're feeling that prompting to speak to that person, He's already got it planned out. Fourth, put away from your mind the idea that you have to share the gospel, get them saved, water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and living for Jesus in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) For the Johns and the Sanders of the world, that actually happens. You know what I'm saying? Why is this important? Because failure is actually not sharing. Failure is not them not receiving. Okay? We have got this idea in our head that if they don't receive what I say, that I have personally failed. And I'm going to go back to week one of this series and say, what was the first and most important thing you need to do? Plant the seeds of the gospel of the kingdom in their lives. And it doesn't matter if Paul waters it or Apollos waters it. It's God that gives the increase. Fifth thing is this. Thank God every moment you get up in the morning. Every moment you get up. First thing in the morning, I want you to thank God 
for an opportunity today to be Jesus to somebody. Because I guarantee it, you'll have it. Expect amazing things in this season. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.